Oh, I wonder if my Bane voice can come through on here. Uh, do you feel in charge? It's almost better over the internet. Does it actually sound better on the internet? Because it sounds like... It sounds I mean, like it's like sorted. it's like a default cup voice, you know? Mm, oh, no, I can't do it. Over me. It's like an extra filter. My father... Was a jo- Wait, no, that's Joker's That's no, wrong, wrong, wrong. Oh, wrong, actor. Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amateur Hour. Hey everybody, uh, here with me today, I got my friend Luke, and we're going to talk a little bit about web development. And since we're both amateurs, that's why the title of this podcast episode is called Amateur Web Development. Hey Luke. Hey Ruben, how's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, so I've known Luke for about, I don't know. I think it's about uh, almost, a year and a bit. A year and a half, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's so. He is also a software engineering student at York yep. University. Yep. And unlike most of the friends I have, he has a little bit of web development experience because he, <laughs> my friends, is not afraid of JavaScript like the rest of us are. <laughs> Very rare thing, it seems like. Very rare yeah. thing. <laughs> I feel, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people in engineering, or at least in software engineering for us, totally shy away from web development or anything design-based, because I don't think we're that artistically inclined. Well, the majority of us aren't. And well, I think there's artistically, that... oh, sorry, there's artistically inclined, and then there's uh, just more creatively inclined. Yeah, like, you know what, I should have put that better. Mm-hmm. I like to make games during JavaScript and being like little graphics and stuff. I don't like painting a picture in JavaScript or anything like that. But I I see what you're saying. Yeah, but like a lot I feel like a lot of us don't even know what complementary colors are. I That's true. That's true. That I agree. I agree. Flags engineering <laughs> students. Yeah. Because I guess the majority of our coursework is not really based on, you know, yeah, user uh, yeah, design. Yeah. yeah. It's based on electromagnetics and Oh, that's uh Anyway, so Luke, you seem to have some experience with web development, specifically JavaScript. I remember, mm-hmm. I, I think it was exactly maybe maybe a year ago, so uh, second semester of first year, or first yes. semester of first year, where I recommended that you were to, that you I should learn React. Exactly, I remember exactly where I was that day. <laughs> yeah, we were near, we were near the, the student center, right? No, we were in Stedman Lecture Halls. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. going to a lecture for... A math course. Oh, discrete math. And yeah. yes, discrete math. And as I walked through the door, you turned to me and you said, Luke, you should learn React. And I said, and Yes, I should. That day on, I sentenced you to a lifetime of pain. <laughs> but no, I've been you enjoying know what my myself. motivations. Do you know what my motivations Yeah, I know. Because, yeah, you didn't want to do it yourself. So you pawned it off on me. Yeah, I was like, this guy isn't doesn't know what he's in for. <laughs> Let me just make him learn React. Well, and then you came to school. Jokes like, on you. Day. And then, yeah, exactly. And I actually enjoyed what I had learned. And I thought you were lying. I thought you were just doing it to, like, piss me off. Which I don't think. No, I. I, <laughs> I mean, look at you now. You, uh, you're pretty into uh, the front end stuff. Uh, Oh, we'll get into that later, man. Yes, I mean, yes. You know, yes. honestly, I'm kind of ashamed of it. I've I've lost my stance on uh, JavaScript is an evil thing. 
Yeah, I guess, I guess you can say that. So before React, did you do anything with uh, web development? Yeah, so I guess my journey in web development started, uh, I guess you can call it grade 10, uh, with those like TEJ technology courses, if you're in the uh, Ontario Public High School uh, naming conventions or whatever. And uh, we started off with a program called Adobe Dreamweaver. And that was really fun because it was really easy to build really small, um, not very uh, complex, static uh, web pages, HTML web pages. Ooh, and it was buzzword, buzzword, yeah, static. Buzzwords, buzzwords, yes. Um, and it was fun because the the course was uh, really light and oh, we just wait, got we the... should probably explain what static is though. Static, it just didn't. Nothing yeah. was just boring. It was very boring. Nothing okay. moved. I don't the only, know. yeah. Sorry. I don't. It's basically just the so static for the listeners. It's mm -hmm. basically just the opposite of dynamic. Which yeah. <laughs> is, I guess the best uh, description ever. More or less, there was not really any JavaScript um, that was changing the elements or anything of that page. No CSS to no animations. Yeah. Nothing really fancy. I don't know if that applies for I don't know, uh, platform responsiveness, which is you know if you were changing. Uh, yeah, there's no there's. From... Yeah, there's no state being mutated or managed at all. There's just it's purely visual, but it was mm -hmm. fun nonetheless. Yeah. Just. Just to like get your toe, dip your toe in the water a bit, uh, just mm -hmm. to see visually what you can do. It's it's more like a layout tool, honestly. Like practice. And Dreamweaver, you said you were using. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, be Dreamweaver. Dreamweaver is actually um, back in the day, back in the day before we were developing. I guess um, Dreamweaver was an industry standard tool on how to yeah, yeah. Uh, make web sites, web applications. Yep. It was just the thing that everybody used, and it kind of simplified the um, the development process. I don't know if Adobe Dreamweaver is free anymore. I actually haven't. I have seen no it. idea. Yeah, I, I mean, it was it, in it was in the school environment, so they had a license. But I don't. It, okay. it, do you know if it's industry used in industry today? I don't think it is. I don't like, think so. I think JavaScript frameworks have just yeah yeah even non JavaScript like things like Bootstrap Studio, which were yeah, we'll get into too. Bootstrap Studio and. Our experiences, I guess, with it. Kind of. They've overtaken. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but yeah, other than um, Dreamweaver, after that, sort of a, uh, there was a gap in my uh, involvement with front end uh, and, or web development in general. I took uh, uh, JavaScript, took a backseat to Java, and uh, I started learning a lot more of the uh, core concepts of computer science, uh, more into like, abstraction and all that stuff and okay, that's moving cool. into more of high school and then moving into uh university obviously that they when you told me how to that i should uh, learn react uh that's that was my uh sort of getting back into moment for web development so i guess that's that's my journey so far but, so what uh, were like the kind of starter projects that you were doing in react to kind of get yourself familiar with yeah, because it's not regular JavaScript, and it kind of no, it's a rules it's and... a it's a little different with JavaScript. It, it uses a yeah, I think the latest version that it supports is ES6 uh, JavaScript or ECMAScript six uh, stuff like arrow functions and and hooks are all 
are all supported. It's pretty much the same thing as JavaScript. So uh, in, in terms of uh, starter projects, uh, it was very simple stuff. Uh, I sort of uh, did myself really a disservice because I jumped right into learning how to use uh, like function calls and uh, like async functions instead of learning the basics of what makes a good um, application like look nice. Uh, I sort of dug into a little bit of the uh, backend stuff. So a lot of it had to do, I think my first project was um, a weather application. So I had to query a, a REST API. It was like a free weather database. You just type in your city and you get a bunch of data like humidity, temperature, what the forecast is, seven-day forecast, stuff like that. And it worked beautifully, but it looked terrible. So those are my early projects, the uh, the bare bones or things that looked bare bones, but had a pretty, pretty good um, foundation to build off of. I guess I'm just not a creative enough person to uh, make it look nice. I don't know if uh, that's been a problem for you as well. Yeah, honestly, sometimes I don't like I'll, I'll try and emulate another designer's mm-hmm. way of doing something and I'll use the same colors maybe in the same spacing and padding as him and it'll still look garbage it's just I think it's a thing that requires a lot of practice we just yeah experience. you need to put practice into designing just like you need to put practice into I guess the functionality of react which is what you focused on focused yep. on I think I remember... that's that's more important honestly off the bat getting understanding how data flows through it and because cosmetic stuff, that can all be done easy uh, at a later date. Speaking of like the data flow of React, mm-hmm. how do you feel about it? Off the bat, when I started React, it was in version, I think it was 15. And um, in version 15, there was uh, no um, uh, hooks weren't a thing. And if you know what a hook is, that's a buzzword. I don't know if to add that to the buzzword list. But a hook. <laughs> it is a buzzword. Uh, yeah. It is a buzz. Yeah. So um, there were no uh, hooks or anything. So managing data was kind of a tricky thing. It wasn't tricky. It was just a little cumbersome. Uh, you can either use Redux and go down that path. Uh, and Redux is good for large, large applications. Um, or you can, if your application is small, you can just define a, a state in each component. And passing data between components isn't that big of a deal because it's a small application. But yeah, my main gripe with it was if you have um, a a project with multiple files and you want to pass data between the files, you kind of have to do like this handshake thing. Like you had a line of people and you're trying to get a message from like one into the other. It's like a broken telephone. You know, it has to, by the time it gets from one end to the other, it's a bit the data is a bit changed, or it has to go through like twenty different people. So that was kind of annoying because it kept, it was hard to keep track of how stuff really moved through the application. And learning Redux is kind of a hassle in that of it, not a hassle, but just an extra step that should already be there in React. And I'm glad to say that in React 16, which is what's um, really used now, I don't know if I don't know what point in development React 17 is in, uh, hooks simplify um, things a little bit and make Redux a bit more digestible. Um, things like the, I think, use memo and uh, use context hook, hooks, if you know anything about that, for any listeners, <laughs> that makes it a bit easier to manage state within uh, components and um, applications. But 
that was a lot of that was a lot to take in okay so speaking about react versions mm-hmm. how has the react versioning been you know i i hear it gets a lot of constant updates and yeah how do you Are feel they... about that i mean from the time that you told me to learn react and uh the time between react 16 it was like a couple months so i might have i was at the tail end of react 15 but it didn't it wasn't very long before they deprecated a lot of um uh functions that i was using uh, still uh, there's a lot of functions relating to uh rendering that like rendering when a component would mount mounting is uh, a buzzword i guess yeah it's um, a buzzword what is mounting so um if you if you have to think of like the dom like the do- uh document object model i think that's what it's called um yep yep Whenever you build the DOM or whenever you build something on the DOM, when it's finished building, it's like it's being mounted or it's, it's like it's finished. It's finished doing what it's uh, what it has to do. And then uh, you can detect that. So it's like mm-hmm. sends up a flag. And then if you want to do something when that flag is like on its leading edge or on its uh, falling edge, like if you have to look at a square wave, you know, you can detect right. when it goes up and when it goes down, you can you yeah, do yeah. something on those um, on those renders. Um, but those functions just got blasted away and were replaced by, I don't even remember, probably a hook or something. But uh, but yeah, the reactive, React is made by Facebook, and I guess Facebook wants to keep its pace with Angular, made by Google. So, oh, yeah, we forgot to mention that. Yeah, yep. React is a, is a tool that was, well, it's a framework that's made by Facebook, yep. and they're the ones that are actively maintaining it. And with React Native too, which we've yeah. mentioned on the first episode, which is used for um, iOS development, mm-hmm. and uh, actually you've done some stuff in React Native. How is it uh, going from React to React Native? I've done, I've done a little bit of React Native, not a whole lot, just simple things like setting up bare bones applications. Going from React to React Native, it's not a whole, it's not that, not that bad. It's pretty much you're changing like what a div is to. Um, something called a, a view so instead of a div you use a view um little changes like that that's like semantic changes um it's not that it's, you're still using javascript i think es6 is still supported in react native which makes arrow functions and i think hooks are enabled too so you can still use that so it's not that big of a learning curve going from react to react native or the other way around so we've talked about some things that um, a little annoy uh, annoy you a little bit about mm-hmm. React. So what are some things that you really like about React and things that make you choose React for any front-end projects that you have? There's there's a ton of open openness to it, right? You can, if you have like an idea for a project, you can pretty much find the building the the building blocks for uh, for it online, uh, like user-made libraries. Like there's a ton of things on um, for visualization of uh, for data visualization, like um, uh, like charts or graphs. Or um, I was trying to make a stock application or something like it was um, like a financial tool application, and I wanted to use some cool charts, like the candlestick charts. If if you've um, ever seen a stock stock chart, and I just I didn't have to do it myself. I just went to the internet and found it. I like the openness of React, and uh, I mean hot reloading is pretty cool. It makes prototyping really, really cool and really satisfying. You know, so hot to, reload is a buzzword. Yes, um, do you many want to buzzwords. A little bit. 
<laughs> a lot of buzzwords there, but buzzwords. do you want to explain a little bit about what hot reloading is and how useful it is when it's you're really trying useful. to prototype something? Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's it's useful if you're really conscious about like how much you, how efficient you want your uh, uh, development to be. Um, so if you think of like a project, like a tree, every time you change something in your application, you're um, you're editing something on that tree. And before React, um, and React is generally said to be very fast, um, before React, if you wanted to change something, you would have to sort of like chop down the tree and regrow it with a, with a tiny little change on it. That's a stupid analogy, but with React hot loading, uh, you're only changing that specific part of the DOM that is that has to be edited. So you don't you're not really you're not really doing as much work as you had to uh, before. Um, so hot loading is a great tool for just prototyping fast and quick. I've heard from some people that maybe one of the great things about React or bad things, depending on how you look at it, is that there's a React hook for everything. Yeah, that's kind of what I mentioned. Like there's a library for everything or there's a package for everything. There's probably a hook for anything you want. Could you that's... just explain to the to the listeners, uh, we forgot to explain the buzzword for uh, oh, what React a hook, is? hook. Yeah, what uh, a hook is. So a hook was, it's a, it's a concept it's a, uh, introduced in React 16, I believe. And it sort of works like a, uh, a function. So you define um, uh, like a uh, like a keyword to access the data in that function, and then a keyword to act as like the setter function. So like you know how in Java there's like getter and setter functions. It pretty much works like that, but all in one line. You define those two um, things in one line, um, and after you define those two getter and setter keywords, you define what that function is going to do if it's going to taken an array or taken a array of objects, whatever you want, a string, uh, integer, whatever. And um, it really simplifies, it really simplified how um, you define um, dynamic uh, variables inside of a React project. Um, before you would have to go through, you, just, you would have to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to just set up a, a variable. And um, the hooks made it a lot easier to integrate storing data or state. State management was is a pretty big thing in web development, managing how data flows. And so hook really, hooks really um, played, it, played itself well in the React version 16. And I'm, and I'm really happy with uh, the work I've done with them and the time I've saved from using them. For someone like me, an amateur like me, is there any advice that you'd give to somebody that would want to start learning React? We're all if amateurs you would have to give at advice, the end of the day. Yeah, we're all amateurs. But if you if you'd have to give yourself advice, um, yeah, I tell time a year. Sure, I tell you, don't do what I did, which was jump into React, uh, and uh, like off the bat, learn, uh, go into, uh, do an HTML course, do a JavaScript course, and then do a React course. Because when I started React, I didn't my understanding of JavaScript and HTML wasn't as complete as it should have been. Um, I should have uh, known way more things about um, HTML than I did at the time. And so if you want to start in React, I'd say go to the, go to the basics, learn how the DOM works and how, how even like basic APIs work and how uh, um, all that stuff works. Because if you want to make a good application, you're going to want to use some sort of API and make your, data, your application fun um, and, and interactable. 
So go learn the basics and then learn the framework. Uh, that's the only, that's the advice that I have. Okay, so that sounds like a lot of work. So the, for the rest of yeah, the amateurs that are, that are lazy like me, I mm -hmm. have a JavaScript framework for you. I truly believe that with just a little bit of HTML knowledge, I honestly don't even have that much HTML knowledge. I cannot define forms to save my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know that much JavaScript. I can make a simple express app just because of how close it is to a Flask API in Python. Mm. I want to recommend my JavaScript framework of choice and what I've been using to do my JavaScript projects lately. And that is Vue.js. So Vue.js is not the same thing as React. There's the three big, well, not four, I guess, four big JavaScript frameworks are spelt. Um, there's Vue, there's React, and there's Angular. Uh, Angular is maintained by Google. React is maintained by Facebook. The creator, and I think probably still the primary maintainer of Vue is um, a guy. One dude, named, right? Been, it's just one dude and a bunch of, of other contributors named uh, his name is Evan Yu and Svelte I don't know anything about Svelte I would like to get into it I don't understand it I don't I've know never why heard it's of it it's popular but it's 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 actually there's a little bit of a low-key community compared to React where like the user base is just so high everybody seems to use React and everybody and their grandmother wants it uh, for their job descriptions yeah it's definitely but, a hot uh, hot thing on a lot of resumes I guess. Yeah, especially for front-end developers, almost always you'll see React.js. I think Angular is coming up there, though. I don't know if using GitHub stars as an indicator is any worth anything, but I know React well, had Angular, the I, I know is used for... is has been, like, the traditional one yeah. that everybody's used, but I think all of that is slowly changing to React, and there's just, there's just such a huge user base. Even if you were to search a podcast on javascript you'd find a good handful just about react i remember finding like three or four just about react native specifically mm. like there's this whole cult on of people that's it that we're just a cult mobile applications. yeah <laughs> a cult of, of people building um mobile apps on in react native i mean people have Anyways. done a lot of really cool work with it so I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's cross-platform, yeah. right? Yeah, it is cross-platform. Um, you can develop things uh, pretty fast and still make them look good on any device, which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit, bit about how I got started into web yes, development. Yes. So I started with just some basic HTML and CSS. I was looking for a quick and easy way to make websites when I was younger. I started learning a bit of HTML and CSS. I realized I hated CSS, so I wanted to, I hated two things. I hated CSS and I hated JavaScript. I avoided JavaScript at all costs, <laughs> um, except when I wanted to use something like a particle effect in the background. Right, like, I think, know, yeah, are moving. those are the most intriguing things from yeah, I, <laughs> all that. But even with that, I wouldn't make my own. Yeah, you would just find it from the internet. JavaScript from some some code snippet that yeah. a dude wrote. I think we, everybody's done that at one point or another. Yeah, yeah. The only things that I would really write was HTML when it came to web development. I would love, and I hated writing CSS. It just it just looked so messy and complicated. That's why Dreamweaver me. was so cool, because it did all that. Because <laughs> it did all the styling for you? Oh my gosh, that's yeah. great. But one of the things that I loved doing when I was younger, 
um, was finding CSS front-end styling frameworks. So a very popular one that a lot of people might know is Bootstrap, which was created by Twitter, and it kind of emulates Twitter's um, uh, styling. There's other ones that um, are pretty popular. Foundation 5 um, is a really, really popular one. Bulma. A lot of people have made Bulma ports and and uh, plugins for things like React and Vue and Angular. And lastly, material design, material UI. And if you guys don't know, material design is the guideline framework that Google uses for all of their products. It's a design language that uh, Google uses to keep the look and feel of all their software products consistent. So that's why you see that uh, Google Play Music and the Google Play Store has a kind of same look and feel. And it's basically those material design guidelines. I'll actually link in the show notes uh, where they outline all those guidelines. And they outline very specific things like spacing, padding, the type of fonts that they use, the type of colors, the color palette specifically that they use for material UI apps. And I remember finding um, a CSS plugin for that and just going ham. With the with the static HTML, static websites, no static JavaScript. Websites. That was the that was the trend. That's, that's the, the that's the staple of all every young amateur uh, web developer. Just <laughs> web developer. A page that does nothing. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Those are the it most satisfying good. ones, though. Yeah, you make it look really nice, but and you're really yeah. proud of it. I don't know how many and, like pages I've made that do nothing, but I really like how they came out visually. But yeah, yeah. And of course, we're all oblivious to prototyping. We don't touch things like Figma and, and Vision Studio and Sketch. I'm warming up to Figma. I don't know about you. I'm warming up to it. I'm warming up to it now. Yes. Back then. Oh, back back I then I had no idea Figma. what that even was. But I agree. Because I don't think we needed to because we weren't making, you know, these complicated apps with API calls and function calls and React hooks and... Yeah, we were and all this complicated backend nonsense hung up in the <laughs> hung up uh, in the backend of stuff. Yeah, our prototyping was just changing the HTML elements, and you know, it was kind of that it was, was satisfying kind of, for know, a time. Now I reload. yeah, I want to move on to something a little more interesting, make it look a bit better. So only recently have I started to give up my allergy toward JavaScript when I realized, as Chidalu said in the first episode, mm-hmm. it is inevitable. It is the <laughs> Thanos of amateur programming languages yes you will just we will just have to learn it yeah it's uh yeah it's it's always it's around the corner for everybody at one point or another so might as well just bite the bullet and i mean i say that as if i don't as if i don't enjoy it i do enjoy it but some people like you said or even like yourself just really have been avoiding it like just cannot but how you go about learning javascript is a very personal choice for example luke went through react look Luke, I'm honest. I, uh, I'll be honest, I tried React, but I just could not. It, everything was just coming at me way too fast. It was too complicated and it took way too much time to make something. Mm. Of course, as you said, I needed to learn the basics. There was a lot of basics that I had to learn about React, about how React manipulated the DOM and how, it, how data flow was controlled and where to even define styling. And with the, the file system, um, arrangement of it all yeah the project structure but for me Vue.js yeah for simpler. me Vue.js was um for me Vue.js was 
it's it just took me so much less time mm. to get a project up and running. I truly believe that with a little bit of HTML and some knowledge of JSON, you can make some really cool Vue.js projects. And for API calls, if you want to call from an API, learn Axios. It's not that hard. Yes. Well, it is kind of hard, but to do basic uh, get requests, it's it's pretty easy. Yep. The current stack that I'm using or the current set of uh, web technologies that I would use to make a web application is actually, I just made a website. I made a personal website uh, for a class project using this specific stack. It's so very good. There's this great... It's very okay. Okay, that's enough out of you. <laughs> so the platform that I'm using to host uh, my site is called Zite Now. So Zite is a company that has made a pretty popular React JS framework. Yes, React is a framework of JavaScript, and there's frameworks based on React. It's just this never-ending creation of React ecosystem tools. <laughs> but the company who made this framework called Next.js also has a platform called Zite Now. And basically what you can do is you can host uh, your dynamic and static uh, web applications on the net. And it's these one-click deploy. I, it's honestly been one of the best user experiences for me. Someone who's traditionally, I identify myself as a little bit of a back-end developer. Right. And who doesn't like to go through the the crunchiness of front-end deployment. This thing was so easy. And if I want to, you know, host my own API, do some serverless functions, that's a buzzword. But mm -hmm. yes. Serverless is its own episode that we're going to go into. <laughs> for example, if I want to, I want to manipulate some stuff on my website with the Flask API or... I don't know, put a machine learning model up there that calls from my front end. Mm -hmm. I can easily do that with Zite now. They support serverless functions in Go and Python. I think they also have uh, Ruby on Rails support and and oh, they really? of course have JavaScript support, yeah, with Express. And it's it's so nice. And it's these one click deploy and the continuous delivery pipeline is just great. Every time I upload um, any changes to GitHub. Mm -hmm. It automatically builds it and puts it through this uh, CD CI pipeline. No, it's not a CI pipeline. There's no tests running on it, but it just automatically deploys it to the domain that I specify, and it's just really great. That's really something for I've, prototype yeah. deployment and and making stuff that uh, that works uh, on those pipelines, like you explained. That's that's been something that I've really been struggling with, and uh, it's interesting that you uh, bring up Zite and. Because I've been looking into it, as you mentioned it a couple of days ago, and uh, it seems really interesting and really time-saving from going through. Yeah, honestly, all that, Luke, all I know that you have some of your. I know that you have some uh, React projects. Yeah, I would love your... to put them up on, like, make them usable online, but I just can't because I have no idea how to do it. And it seems like what you're describing is uh, sort of like the the magic bullet. Honestly, I'll tell you the instructions. I'll tell you the instructions right now. You go to site now. You log in with your GitHub. On Zite now, click to deploy. Like I think it's a click to deploy immediately or something. There's a button. You select your GitHub repo repository with your React project in it, and that's it. Beautiful. And all of the all the stuff is set up by Zite now, and it's free. Oh, that's cool. The personal tier has unlimited uh, bandwidth usage. It you only have to pay things, pay for stuff if you're in a team. It's it's just so great. Wow. So yeah, I'm using Zite now as my platform um, to prototype my front end. I am using 
Figma. So Figma is a, it's like Photoshop. The best way to explain it is like it's Photoshop for UI design. Yeah. You know, Photoshop, really but with to... less features and it's for UI design. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It's specifically tailored for mobile and web design. It's not to make a working and complete app. It's not an all-in-one solution. It's just to see the look and feel. Um, you know, you can prototype shadows and how they would look on your front end before you actually start building a building it, especially if your application is pretty complicated and you would need to do a lot of boilerplate code before you get into all that messy stuff and you write all your code and you realize that I don't like any of this. I would highly recommend prototyping in, in a software like Figma or Sketch or Envision Studio. Those are the popular ones. Yep. I'd say I have I have more experience in Figma just out of out of those three, and it's been treating me well uh, in the in the recent uh, weeks. I guess there was a time where I just was fed up with it, and I I just wanted it to spit out uh, like production ready code. Uh, it just it doesn't do that, and I sort of had to change how I thought about Figma and change how I used it to kind of um, just work for what I wanted it to do. Um, but if you're using Figma or if you want to prototype quick, I agree with everything Ruben said. It's just quick and dirty, make it look nice and uh, try and tell whether or not the idea that you have in your head is actually what you want to put to paper or put on the screen. And you can even do, um, I don't know if you've seen, but you can do uh, transition animations, like very basic ones. Like you can do a bit of scripting Oh, that's yeah. cool. So you can make a couple different like frames. I think that's what they're called. And you can link frames with animations and add a bit of logic to them. Uh, so you can even do stuff like that, which is kind of powerful for anybody who really wants to just knock out a prototype fast and put like throw ideas at the wall and see what sticks. That's my two cents. Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's honestly a great tip for especially for designers, mm -hmm. uh, people that don't consider themselves immediately uh, technically inclined. With yeah, it's a great way to convey. Know what good web design yeah, looks like. It's a great way to, it's a great medium to convey, uh, to pass uh, ideas between, like you said, the, uh, the designer and the developer, I guess. I know, but, and since we're all amateurs, I guess you're going to be the designer and yep. developer. So you're implementing we the design. We all wear many hats. And for me, when I implement my designs, I use a framework called Tailwind CSS. Now, Tailwind CSS is by far the single great, greatest piece of software I've discovered in 2020 so far. I'll say it right now. As of April 3rd, 2020, this is the single greatest piece of software that I have. And if you're saying it like that, then uh, and oof, it is, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, it's it's great. The way that you can implement padding and color and, and manipulate HTML objects just without writing any CSS. Yeah, I hate CSS. It's so fast and it's just, it's great. Going from a Figma to des design to um, actual implementation in HTML, Tailwind CSS just makes that so much better. And it's actually made right here in oh. Canada. Uh, it was made by two, um, it was made by a designer and a front-end engineer from oh, Kitchener. Okay, cool. Yeah, but it's, it's a very popular design framework. And a lot of people in industry are 
are just realizing how good and how fast it is. Yeah, speed is key. At prototyping yeah. and yeah, and getting something production ready is just amazing. I Tailwind CSS all day. I'm going to be using that for every front end project until yeah. something better. I think comes I said I said this. I think I said course, this before in the the podcast. Making something look hard, look good is the hardest thing in uh, a web developer's sort of toolbox. So to kind of end it off, we were I was going to do a view versus react comparison mm-hmm. with you, but I think we've kind of already outlined that. I kind of want to talk about Bootstrap mm, Studio, yeah. which is something that we both use. And I guess, you know, why don't you start off with React Studio, which is something that you've discovered. Yeah, so I just discovered React Studio. And um, if you know anything about Bootstrap Studio, it operates very similarly where you um, can either create your own templates, uh, which are all built automatically in HTML and CSS. But instead of HTML and CSS, it's it's, uh, React uh, uh, code, uh, which is called JSX. but uh, React Studio, it's uh, it's really good if you want to build really good, high quality, production ready. Maybe not production ready, but really high quality, good looking um, front end apps that you can always go back and and uh, edit with your own thing, uh, with your own code. And uh, and yeah, there's a lot of uh, I think there there's support for to import um, like user made content, like um, user made style sheets, or um, or yeah, mostly style sheets, but um, it's really versatile. I think I haven't used it too too much just because I uh, discovered it recently, and I think it only runs on uh, on macOS, which kind of sucks because uh, I'm a Windows user at the moment. Yeah, it works like a lot like the um, like Bootstrap Studio does. Um, I know you have a lot of ex- you have more experience than I do in Bootstrap Studio. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, I think you do. But React Studio, it seems kind of attractive you know yeah. drag and drop to create a react application yeah. i mean I'm, I'm lazy too and i really don't want to write even though react is meant to be very fast and like reusable everybody's still lazy and they just want to drag it have the satisfaction of dragging and dropping and connecting things and just expecting it to work which i like okay so bootstrap studio for anybody who's familiar with bootstrap and how bootstrap looks instead of writing HTML and using bootstrap styling, which is already pretty easy. There's this great application called bootstrap studio. And it's actually a paid application. I think the subscription is like a hundred dollars or something, or probably more than that. But if you are a student, like most of you amateurs are, you can get a free license from the GitHub student developer pack. And we'll probably have a future episode on the GitHub student developer pack and all the tools and cool stuff that it comes Mm -hmm. with. But Bootstrap Studio, if you want to make a quick, static HTML, CSS uh, website or web application, I'd highly recommend Bootstrap Studio instead of just writing HTML. And of course, you know, you can edit the HTML that it spits out. It actually spits out HTML. That's what's beautiful about it. Yeah. The main thing that I didn't like about Figma, it didn't spit out really nice CSS. So that's why I just canned it for a bit. But Bootstrap Studio is great because it does spit out exactly what you want. And like you said, you can go back and edit it if you want. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I have found with um, Figma is that depending on how complicated the component or um, visual wireframe that Mm -hmm. you're making, it tends to spit out 
weird CSS. I think it uses its, its own brand of of stuff. I don't know what it really does in, behind the scenes. So yeah, I think we're gonna have to look probably. Into it. Anyways, I think we're going to end off this episode. I want to end off this episode every time with a, a little bit of what I call, a new segment I call, Repository Spotlight. <laughs> and which is where I share, and my guest shares, one repository from GitHub, uh, an open source software project that they really found fascinating and useful. Okay, so my repo spotlight that I want to do this week is called the Node.js Developer Roadmap which is basically, it's not any code. It's a fully Markdown-based repository where it more or less just illustrates a common path that Node.js developers take when they're trying to learn everything about Node.js, which is basically taking JavaScript outside of the browser. That's really useful. And yeah, and running it on the command line, which is it really solidifies JavaScript as a, as a language worth learning. Node.js is what makes a lot of cool things in JavaScript possible. You know, starting off with JavaScript and learning how the node package yep. manager works. And um, then you go into like general development skills like Git and HTTP. I'm basically just reading off this roadmap. And then it recommends you learn a web framework like Express, which I mentioned before, or Koa or Meteor.js, which is honestly becoming pretty popular nowadays. And then learning databases and learning caching, which is honestly, we'll have a, we'll, we're gonna have an episode on caching and databases by itself. And then looking into, you know, async communication and APIs and very common libraries that um, front-end developers use. And microservices is probably like a master level, non-amateur segment yeah. of uh, the roadmap that I don't know how many amateurs know. I, I don't think you should consider yourself an amateur yeah. getting to microservice level development like that. Anyway, so that was my repository spotlight. Okay, thank you, Luke, for uh, talking a little bit about React and your web developer Amateur yeah, thanks for having me. me. It's been really fun talking about it. Anyways, thanks for listening to this episode. If you're looking for the show notes, they'll always be in the description. Hit us up on Twitter if you have any feedback, because I know we can use it. Thanks for listening to Amateur Hour.